0: Welcome to The Horse, a show hosted by longtime Yukoners Dan Bushnell and Jenny Hamilton. On this show, we talk to a diverse collection of people about living in the Yukon, what brought them here, why they stay or have left. But mostly, we like to talk about what truly makes them tick. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and enjoy the show coming to you from the Yukon's capital, Whitehorse, or as it's known to the locals, the horse. I am Dan Bushnell. I'm Jenny Hamilton.
1: And I'm Dan Hill.
0: Awesome. We're all here.
1: Oh,
2: what a morning to be here. (laughs) Okay, so I don't usually do this, but I'm going to throw background material on Dan Hill. Absolutely. Dan Hill is in Whitehorse Visiting. He and I go way back. Dan is now uh, the head of the Evil Bastard Karaoke Experience in Vancouver and uh, has Consistently for years, been voted the number one karaoke
1: in Vancouver. Brilliant.
2: Yay. Yeah,
1: except there's uh, Dr. Bonnie just made karaoke uh, illegal in, in BC. So
0: everywhere. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, And one of the things that we've been wanting
2: to talk about is like, when you work in the arts and your arts is based around performing, what do you do
0: now? Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Look, at online stuff is it's tough. I hate it. I won't. I don't do it. I don't want to talk to a camera.
2: Part of when uh, Dan coming up was we were like gonna go visit some friends of ours that own a hunting fishing lodge. Nice, but they've been completely fucking shut down. Right. And it's just a ball of stress out there. And it's oh, like, it is. We're, we're gonna have to give it a miss. Yep. You know, and I mean, like this, we keep talking about things are getting better and the phases are moving through and all the shits happening, but. The reality of it is, man, you see people like Dan who's still having the shit kicked out of them. Yes. Our friends out uh, out on Dalt, at, uh, on Ash Lake there. Yeah. And this is still kicking the shit out of them. And there's lots of folks that are like, you know, we are trying to pretend as a world right now that the shit's improving. But for okay. some people, that's just carrying on.
0: Who's, who's pretending that shit? The politicians? Because yeah. it's yeah, not yes. the people. Yeah. <laughs> right. But they got to say that, right? So they can get reelected? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Most places, at least back in Vancouver, have got, you know, your uh, sneeze guards up around everything. Yeah, yeah. Plexi, man, the plexiglass industry. Well, is, they're just booming we, right I now. I bet, yes. <laughs> who, <laughs> who knew
2: that's what we should be right? getting into? Yeah. That's who what, knew? That's what we should be investing
0: Stocks in. Stocks in that and yeah. z- this thing called Zoom. <laughs> so, you know what? I,
2: I, <laughs> somebody said this thing to me years ago and I was just like, you're a dark motherfucker. But they were just like, oh, you want to invest in something, invest in body bags. Oh. And they said that to me years ago, like years They're before this. they
0: assuming people can afford body bags. Eventually, they run out and they just yeah. pile.
2: And I mean, a Ziploc is going to step in and crush you.
0: We all They're both. just going to crush <laughs> <Right>.
2: you. <laughs> yeah. You're going to buy some stock <laughs> and that Ziploc's cry. going to shut you down, <laughs> right? Like, welcome to the Ziploc body bag right. factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Okay. Lovely. <laughs> lovely
2: morning calls. <laughs> <laughs> I've been up for a while and I just tattooed gin on the inside of a woman's lip oh. so, one of the, so one of the things I want to start talking about making a living in the arts where we have like created jobs as well you create a position
1: you create a job yes. and then you step
2: out into it so where did you start with that stuff Dan
1: the arts I mean well you know all about uh, like back you know in our 20s there and the public art realm yeah. was all that. I had a big uh, falling out thing with fine art, with visual arts, and I don't know, turned to more of a performance-based type thing, the burlesque scene for, for many years, which kind of hand-in-hand led to led to the karaoke thing. Yeah, like your
2: game show nights at the Cobalt, yeah. how did you get into the game show nights? <laughs> um,
1: I uh, My friends are the ones who started it. I went to one. It was probably like the second or third one they ever did, and I participated in it. And I won. I won my that's where I got my line tattoo. Oh, nice! From I won the grand prize, free tattoo. I was just hooked. I was like immediately. I was working at uh, at the lighting rental house back then, Christie Lights. Yeah. Found out that uh, at least back then they were letting employees just borrow gear that wasn't rented brilliant so yeah it yeah. was awesome so i immediately bumped up the caliber of the show and made it like a you know a thing with just bringing in spinny lights and and, yeah. and fog machines and 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 whatever i really wanted you know that got us on uh nardwar came down and like put us back when much music was still a thing you know yeah <laughs> we got our interview on there and yeah, from there, the burlesque scene was just, like, an easy opening act we could do ourselves, you know, without having yeah, to yeah. worry about, like, booking bands that were too flaky <laughs> <laughs> to show up <laughs> or, you know, wanted to also be paid. Was Screaming Chicken part of Game Show Night or did that come later? It came, it came later. Yeah, it was, Game Show Night was the first thing. And uh, the burlesque was actually, yeah, we started that before, before we came up with the title Screaming Chicken. But now it's uh that nowadays that's that's completely uh passed on turn Screaming Chicken turned into a society and now it's completely none of us original OG chickens are even involved anymore. Not even uh, Rebecca? No. No, it's it's moved on.
2: Really? I yeah. thought she was teaching uh teaching dance there. Yeah,
1: nowadays like running classes is just a lot harder in uh Covid times as well, right? Yeah, yeah. the whole thing of like the performances, everything's just shut down right now. Yeah, it's crazy. What was Screaming Chicken? Uh, yeah, we're uh, burlesque company in Vancouver. Uh, sort of became uh, won a bunch of awards down at uh, the Burlesque Hall of Fame, best best group, best most comedic, all these things. A bunch of our our dancers have gone on to uh, yeah, go. We really made Vancouver pretty big in the whole international burlesque scene, really. Yeah, and what I liked about the Screaming Chicken and what I thought
2: was cool that I don't see with a lot of burlesque companies was that there was, um, it was more of a vaudevillian sort of approach.
0: Really? It was very yeah.
2: funny and it, it yeah. had a lot of humorous elements and then the hosts were really funny and you boasted that for a, a long, long time, time. Yeah. yeah. Was the transition from the game show night to hosting burlesque, how did that go?
1: Again, it was just sort of out of necessity that that I became a host, even in Game Show. I mean, I started out as as just a techie, just uh, doing the sound and the lights. And then I started doing shows, started needing somebody to host. (laughs) So I just stepped up for it, you know? So this to me is like,
2: it feels for me like a common theme in the arts, right? It's like, I didn't get into doing artwork and go, first I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. It was like this is what needs to be done. This is what needs to be done next. This is available to you to do that. Yeah.
0: Well, and also, like you're saying, you're yeah. that's a tech, that's how I started out. Mm-hmm. I started being the one vacuuming the floor. <laughs> yeah. So when you're on stage, look around. There's talent around you. Huge that's talent. Sort of, right. Don't be a dick to your techs. Well, no, <laughs> and, and if you're at
2: a show, and the show is great, and it looks visually great. And it sounds really great. The people on stage are not the ones making that happen. Oh, no. There's people backstage making that shit happen. And they are as integral to the show as people on the stage. Absolutely. You know, because they're what makes, they deliver the show.
0: Yeah. Well, and you never know who has hidden talent. Like you said, you were, mm-hmm. next thing you're on stage or then you're running the show. Like you're the, the organizer. Mm-hmm. and That happens a lot here. But I think, like, often it's just necessity. It is. Yeah. Well, here it's, it's a lack of bodies, really. Like, it's, it's not unheard of to see your leading lady in the show painting the set two weeks before. Yeah. Because well, like, she has that talent, or, or we just needed somebody else to do it. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Then how did you move from uh, the burlesque into the karaoke? Like, how did the karaoke come about?
1: Um, I started doing karaoke, you know, there was this dude who back in the day would, Rent out uh, uh, sound systems and karaoke books, and, and like this was you know, pre-laptop days of, of a karaoke machine full of all the discs, and we could just do house parties. It was was uh, where I started with that. Nice. and and yeah, there was in the beginning there was quite a bit of crossover between the the burlesque and and the karaoke nights. I've done plenty of burlesque private parties. And, It's funny, karaoke is all, like, it's about stage time, right? A lot of performers, like, you know, just get off on being on stage and being the center of attention for even, you know, five minutes of a song. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of crossover there in the beginning. But then the karaoke grew, and how did you begin to grow it? I just kept doing my thing, really. You know, slowly have taken over... Funky Winker Beans, the, the dive bar uh, you know, started there once a week and eventually uh, you know, turned it into like a seven night a week karaoke bar you know.
2: So Funky Winker Beans uh, in Vancouver on Hastings Street there is like this iconic old bar Gentrification is a cyclone artists are the forebears of gentrification mm-hmm. we are the horsemen of the apocalypse of that. Yeah, yeah. financial otherwise. Yeah man, you turn a fucking neighborhood cool yeah. People want to be there. And when they get there, they're like, you know what would be really great here is a Starbucks. <laughs> the next thing you know, that you fucked your own neighborhood. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, when you're walking down Hastings Street, you look up at the buildings and you realize that that was once one of the nicest neighborhoods in Absolutely, the city. Yeah, Absolutely stunning. And Funky Winker Beans is this beautiful, beautiful old venue. And I've heard shit like Billie Holiday played there. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was in animation school in 1995 we would tour around the downtown east side and draw stuff and one day our teacher took her entire class to funkies and we all sat there as a class drinking beer and drawing that bar because the interior of it is so interesting and beautiful mm-hmm. the elephant all the the whole bar is elephant heads holding the bar in their trunk and then below is eagles mm-hmm. and then there's these posts all around the center that have these like plaster women that look like they're holding up the ceiling and shit and like it's a beautiful old yeah. space man mm-hmm. i've always loved it and when dan got in there i was super stoked because i was like this is a beautiful spot yeah and it needs to be have more attention paid to it
0: yeah yeah the architecture on hastings of so it's like it's amazing it's beautiful it's gorgeous. we don't
2: build buildings like that anymore no. we don't pay attention to that kind of
0: architecture well we it's put them up fast don't put yeah. any craft yeah, exactly. into
2: it we stopped giving a fuck about quality
0: yeah. Right. I mean, could you imagine if they were built today, they wouldn't be there 100 well, years from now?
2: No, and the three of us working yeah. as artists, right, like we actually rely on people giving a little bit more of a shit and right. taking a second to be involved with something because, like, if you just walk by and you want, like, the the commodification and homogenization of the world, we're not your fucking folks.
0: Exactly. But people don't want that. They just don't know that yet. Yeah, man.
2: Yeah. So Dan yeah. and I... um we lived together for uh, a bunch of years. We were we were like trying to do something with art, right? And not really knowing what the fuck that was going to look like. And you jump in <laughs> on me anytime, here, Dan. But like I feel yeah. like we locked into a few really great mentor types. Yeah, absolutely. You know that helped us like go from being rudderless. Absolutely, that's you cool. You know, Dan was. What were you doing at Dust Till Dawn?
1: You were part of a project there. That was the yeah. That was kind of the very first the living wall garden project. How'd you get into that? I we just had friends who were doing it. Like Teresa Dahl was was one of that was involved, and I remember uh, oh, like one of that that still would have been the '90s, you know, like which was like collective echoes. That was all that was all millennium funding, yeah, right yeah. for the for the arts, all those projects, yeah, y- youth and and, and living wall garden project was another one like that, but. It, Predated, it was street-involved youth building gardens downtown, a garden downtown with artwork. Standing garden around boxes. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Those that, were cool, man. I, I want one for my patio now. They
2: are really cool. So it was a, the idea was like creating standing garden boxes that could be put around the city
0: mm-hmm. that would
2: provide food to folks living on the street. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of folks working on that project. There was this one cat named Simon Levin. And Simon then uh, went on to like pull us into other projects that basically like springboarded our visual art careers. Right. You know. So uh, yeah, so we met Richard Tetro, Simon Levin. Yeah. All those cats. And I mean, like, no one in Canada gets enough credit for the artwork they do. No. And Simon and Simon and Richard. So Simon Levin and Richard Tetreault, I looked them up. They did great shit all around the world. Like, not just here but all around the world and taught us so much, like so much, man. And like they definitely um, created my visual arts career. Right. Without those two two men, I wouldn't have had a visual arts career or I would have had a very, very different, different visual one. arts career. Yeah. Now, why did you fall out of the visual arts?
1: Yeah, at one point, I just wanted to change my life, you know, yeah. got a real job, which was working in the warehouse. Yeah, the Christy lights I And mean, the lighting thing, starting to learn more technical Stuff which still ended up dragging me back into the arts, but just in a different way.
2: You seem to really find a niche in the performing arts. Yeah, which is hard to do. All three of us—that's—that's how we pay bills. Right? People don't think you can do that, and you can do that. You just have to be willing to take some hits and get that done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just say I I ate a lot of pasta. You know. I still do. (laughs) Well, I, I say to people all the time, like. Because young folks will come up and ask me, like, there are two things that actually make you successful in the arts. Perseverance and work ethic.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You have to fucking stick with it and you have to get up and do it. Yeah. And it's not about talent, necessarily. Well, that's everything, though. Right? Like, well, it's everything. And,
1: like, there's all these people that think... See, it's easier for for you to say when you've got tons of talent coming out of (laughs) all all your places. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about talent. I don't think if you were... uh, Uh, less talented, it would have been as successful.
2: Well, but you know, for me though, like honestly, I think it doesn't matter if you're super fucking talented. If you're like, I know lots of people that are really talented, but they have this idea of the solitary artist that becomes discovered. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get discovered in your fucking basement working on shit by yourself. No. You get discovered by stepping out in the world. Yes. Right. Like if you hadn't stepped up on stage, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today. Yeah. And if you hadn't made a decision to actually get involved in the theater and get on stage again... Yes. You wouldn't I'd be, be where pulling you're pulling wrenches
0: still. That's
2: it. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, at a certain point, you have to make the decision to engage with the world. Because waiting for the world to engage with you is a fool's errand. You will not be discovered
0: that way. And it's That's, fucking it's scary, like, though. You, you right? You're to... like, oh, God, I'm giving up comfort and, and income and... Comfort is the enemy of progress. Jimmy. It totally we is. We all fucking know that, <laughs> you know. That's why most people don't do it. No, exactly. Plus and I, that's
2: why it's not easy.
0: And I know a lot of extremely talented people that don't work in the arts because it—they get bored. I was like, oh, it must be nice to be that fucking talented, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm so good at this. I'll do something else. <laughs> well, a big part of why I work in the arts is
2: because I got fucking ruined. Right. Like Dan and I worked in kitchens for a long time. Yeah. And uh, we worked in some kitchens together. Mm -hmm. The thing with working in kitchens is it really allowed me to be as debaucherous as I liked. Like, I don't give a fuck what the food network tells you. (laughs) Somebody has had their bare ass pressed up against the box of lettuce that you are about to have in salad. Shit has gone weird. Like, and I'm not saying that they put their butt in your thing. I'm just saying that we fuck a lot. In the walk in cooler. Right. <laughs> right. There was a lot of sex happening in the background of that restaurant, like, and uh, a lot of drugs. And, a lot, like, I used to have. I was So working,
0: you're encouraging me to go to culinary school. Yes, you I doing? am. I was, I was working at um,
2: the fucking Broadway Express. I had a special place on the griddle. Mm-hmm. The griddle is the big hot slab of steel. I had a special place on the corner of the griddle. That I kept really clean because that's where I smoked my drugs. (laughs) I put my fucking drugs in the corner of that griddle and huff it right off of there. Mm
0: -hmm. And then one
2: day, some fucking asshole put a burger on there. Right. And I was like, "You fucked it." No, I was like, "You sent a burger out that's been sitting in fucking methamphetamine (laughs) residue." I was like, "You need to recall that. You need to get that brought back in the kitchen right
1: fucking now." We can't because that guy's being irresponsible. (laughs) <laughs>
2: is this about taking
0: ownership? No, sir, it is not. I had a really good burger there once. It, just, it was never the same. Oh my god, this is the best burger I ever had.
2: That shit got fucking crazy. And I mean, like, I really want another burger. Yeah, this is the I best. Got, so fucking much done that day. Look, I'm just gonna run around the block. When I get back, have another burger. For exactly. What? You know, so there's
0: a new enterprise. Right? Right now. Math oh my burgers. God. Math
2: burgers. <laughs> And I mean, like, we got up to some, a lot of fun shit and, and, uh, in the kitchens, but I mean, like, the lifestyle was not sustainable. No. Dan ended up getting sick. Had to fucking get out of out of
1: cooking for a while. Mm-hmm. And... Um, oh. That, that turned me off cooking, period. Yeah. Like, I mean, years, I would never even cook at home anymore. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. For a long time. Uh, you know, that was... My, my pizza period like <laughs> 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 Uncle Fatty's pizza oh, oh my god Uncle Fatty's
2: <laughs> well you also were living in a, an apartment for a while there with some good
1: food around you so I mean yeah yeah I just again turned completely off I love cooking now though and it's funny because my wife I did not marry my wife for her cooking <laughs> uh, I, I. I, I, i'm the cook in the house for sure and uh it's funny it's getting creative because she's a vegetarian and you know like i gotta tell you like i made these these zucchini boats for like this breakfast thing like for breakfast oh yeah oh yeah well butter of course Good, right. Anything yes. Anything good. That's. She's also doing a keto diet thing too. So uh, again, vegetarian, no, no, car- no carbs. Like you gotta get creative, you know. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or she's or she just. Okay, up. hold on. Yeah. We need to we need to explore this boat.
1: What, so you add butter. Oh, and, yeah. and a zucchini. The zucchini. Yes. Scoop. You make a boat out of it. Yeah. Just cut it in half. Scoop it all. Scoop it all out. Throw that in the food processor with the eggs. So through the guts it. end, yeah, save the canoe, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just you just uh, some frying pan, some butter, throw that on there face down, soak up that goodness, then turn it around. Then I thought maybe you could make the eggs in the boat, you can't. Right. Uh, I ended up just having to scramble it and and throw it back, throw it back into the mm-hmm. boat. But that does sound good, it, it was quite delicious.
2: Yeah, that does sound good. They used to do a tofu scramble at the Templeton, that was surprisingly good, mm. but. It was very much based on the amount of cream cheese that right.
1: they put in there. Yes. <laughs> you know? That's the good thing about the keto. It's like all the cheese you want. Yeah. It's not like... It's very Atkins-y. It
0: is. It's just rebranded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. fucking rebranded.
2: Yeah. You know what? Actually, the keto diet was, was uh, a diet developed specifically for people with um, certain medical conditions. Yeah, my brother's on it with his doctor. Yeah, yeah. I was just
1: watching a documentary on it, in fact. It was yeah. like... Curing people's diabetes and stuff. Yeah, like,
2: like
0: I, I it's very strict.
2: Really yeah. need to be on the keto diet because it would do a lot of good for this fucking. It's tough, I body. know.
0: With COVID, my brother had a hard time because he's stressed. Yeah, and gained some weight back, but yeah. it's done him well. It's done him really well.
2: I realized last time Dan was up, I don't know. I don't know if it's fucking drugs or just like excellent storytelling, <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of fucking stories. That I tell that I'm like, yeah, so this one time I was doing this fucking thing. And then Dan shows. And Dan's like, you weren't there, man. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, no, dude, that was me and Wendy. <laughs> and that shit was in Montreal. <laughs> He's like, you weren't even there. But in my fucking brain, that's a memory. Right? I have a memory of that shit, right? And it's like, oh, fuck. Okay. Are you serious? So, like, let me say right now. I, uh, my life is less interesting than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when you talk that much, you got to steal other people's stories. Holy <laughs> shit, run out of shit though, right? Like, <laughs> that's how it that's goes. That's how it goes. Now there was a point somewhere in all this, Jenny. There probably was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? We're, we're, going somewhere <laughs> we're going somewhere with right? it. Right, we're rudderless now.
1: <laughs> right, so what's next? I know, It's now. now it's having to rethink reinvent again you know only this time i'm fucking <laughs> mid-40s <Right. laughs> yes the, yeah, it like... sucks <laughs> yeah
0: yep, me too oh, yeah. there's the silent depressions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well what no but
1: fuck? i mean and i gotta start drawing again
2: yes. well but what but is it internet based is it like what does it look like um you know
0: i don't know i know i have a show at the end of the month with an audience it could hold 420 people, but it, it will be maxed out at 80. Is
2: that art center? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, that's better than camera and a computer. So it's been since January since I performed. Mm-hmm. So there's a little nerves. Because how do you
2: perform Well, what do you, what? without an audience?
0: Well, I yeah, it's called being at home alone, really. <laughs> right? The cat doesn't find me funny. Yeah. What I'm curious about is... <laughs> what I'm gonna come up with and how it's gonna be taken. Because I usually don't pull punches. I mean I punch up, but everybody's so fucking on edge. So I'm a little nervous going out there, going okay, am I gonna throw everybody off? And what the shit I was talking about before March just isn't funny anymore. Yeah. You know, that's not where we're focused, so.
2: But I mean, can comedy exist without tension?
0: No, it, yeah, but it, it's the time. I don't know if it's been enough time yet. We're going
1: to find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's definitely enough tragedy, but has there been enough time? <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: is everybody going to just be like, fucking slit their wrists at the end of the show? <laughs> There's been <now> and the Band. <laughs> Enjoy that. Yes, you're welcome. Maybe I'll have to have something in my back pocket. I'm not going to go out there and not do what I do, yeah. but I'm curious how the audience are going to take it now they're either going to be fine with it or I'm going to only be allowed to tour.
2: Oh my god, so Jenny made this video about coming out.
0: (laughs) Well, people always ask me, what were you like as a kid and when did you come out? Well, that's not even the coming out, my mother drugged me out of the closet. (laughs) (laughs) You're gay, it's fine, no, 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 don't tell no one! (laughs) That's part two of the video.
2: If you're going to produce a video that is going to make me open mouth cry on my couch, warn a person i
0: thought
2: it was funny oh my god i was so fucking i was like oh god it's so beautiful i do not like it when people make me cry without warning me that's all i'm saying
0: well that was not the intent i feel
2: like going into that video i should have known that it was going to be this fucking beautiful moving thing and that i was going to end up in tears if you haven't watched this look it up you can get to it through pride yukon Punching Jenny Hamilton or right, some kind of backslash hashtag. Right, something. Like, Dan cried like a child, <laughs> you know.
0: But again, that was something where they asked me to do a piece and probably were expecting me to do comedy to a camera. And I was like, uh. Then went, oh, it's all ages. And I was like, oh, I should just cancel. <laughs> <laughs> I should just cancel. <laughs> right? Or traumatized children,
2: whatever. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, like, that, that just said to me that you have um, a really beautiful way of creating a narrative, which we already knew through your comedy. Right. And of, like, taking us on a bit of a trip. And you did it really quickly in that film. So, I mean, I, like, I really genuinely see that as an option.
0: Well, the film's only 10 minutes long, but I didn't know how to do any of that shit. I love so the animations. it was animations. like 150 hours of learning. The fucking, <laughs> the, the breakdancing animations
2: right? slayed me. Like, fucking slayed me. Oh, it was goofy fun. So what are you going to do then? Jenny's making fucking breakdancing videos.
0: What are you up well, I might to? be a breakdancer again. No. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Stretched. Not happening. Baroque dancer. Have you thought about porn? (laughs) I
2: think about porn quite a bit. Quite often. You know, can you combine karaoke with porn? Is that a thing?
0: That is one. A thing now.
2: (laughs) Because according to Jenny, like, the COVID has really led to skyrocketing porn watching.
0: Yeah, actually, from uh, Jenny. From, uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Jenny's like, everybody's watching a ton of porn. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, it's just Jenny. <laughs> it's just <me. laughs> Jenny's single handedly driven up the stock right. of Pornhub. <laughs> silence? You <laughs> just fell <laughs> right? silence? I'm leaving that in. That's hilarious. Because, like, I got to tell you, man, so I started doing illustrations. Yes. Because I'm like anticipating being clothes again, so I'm moving doing a lot of illustration work and work that I really don't have time for yeah I'm taking it on anyway because I just see a need to diversify my shit so that I can work from home yeah and I and the, the last closure caught me with my pants down
0: well it took I, it caught everybody off yeah I didn't yeah. see
2: it coming and yeah. I can I gotta tell you like my pants were down you know so I mean I'm trying to think about it and I'm trying to think it through and go what else can I do how else can I move this forward what like mm-hmm. because Part of my point a million miles ago that I just remembered was, like, went from working in the kitchens and working in the visual arts. Right. And I kind of didn't, I haven't really looked back. Yes. Right? Like, I haven't really done shit all else since about 1995, 96. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, when I moved up to the Yukon, or I moved back to the Yukon, I was felt really burnt out and dis- disillusioned with visual arts. Mm-hmm. I was like Mr. Dan Hill there. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get a real job. And it turns out I can't. I can't get a real job.
0: You can, but you just remember why you hate them Oh so Yeah, like I immediately
2: got a job with YG. No. I stepped right like, into a job with YG because I do have some education. I did go to school. I did yeah. do some shit, right? So I got into YG right away. Nope. Nope. You know, I just don't believe that your job makes you fucking better than me, and I have to listen to you.
1: Right. <laughs> okay.
2: So it turns out I just can't work for other people, <laughs> which means like when this COVID shit hits, I'm just like, the idea of getting another job, I can't get a job. Right. Yeah, really? No. So well, I don't it. know.
0: I mean, for, for me, if contracts come up, I, I, I'll take them because then it forces me to get back into it. Yeah. But there's a big part of me that's like, I'm tired. I just, I'm going to take this time and try to rest and refocus. Because when this all hit, I didn't realize how over busy I was and how burnt out I was. I
2: didn't realize how manic
0: I was going to get
2: during COVID. Right. I got really manic, man. Like, and I got really stressed out. Yeah. And then I started working again and I was like, oh my God, like I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm exhausted from being manic. Yes. And now I'm exhausted from like, I immediately filled my schedule crazily so that I could recover from the financial losses I went through during
0: the closure. Well, I learned that about myself. I didn't realize that in times of strife, I panic, rage, bake, and gain weight. Well, are you telling me?
2: Like, the, COVID, the COVID-19 has turned into the COVID-30 for me.
0: Well, 19 kilos is not. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking more like it. Like, Fuck. holy
2: crap. Yes. I'm going to have to go keto. I'm going to have right. to keto my shit all up. And I mean, and like when I say that, we all know it's a
0: <laughs> does that mean i can just eat
2: bacon for the right Oh no, no. sarah is at home right now with a jar of fucking sourdough starter mm-hmm. going you guys want to do fucking pancakes and you know what the answer to me doing pancakes is yes. yes you know yes yeah well i don't know how long we've been doing this shit but i'm tired of hearing myself talk <laughs>
0: Oh, was I supposed to? I never, I never thought that would happen.
2: Right? Oh uh, my God! I have, I have it, it on here. It happens with surprisingly surprising frequency now that I'm getting older. Honestly, I <laughs> I think I spent too much time with
0: myself. You no, know, annoyed. I'm bored with myself. Okay, well that's why we need to get out and see people, even if it's from a distance. <laughs> it's a little better here than other places, though. You know, yeah,
2: like we're. We're not coming from Vancouver like Dan. Right. It's not as fucking scary. And like Dan's got some in laws in Kelowna. Yeah,
0: I got family Um, around there. And
2: has been dealing with that shit. Yeah.
1: Right, Dan? It's the fucking coronavirus. Right. You know
2: what the coronavirus is? Driving (laughs) big trucks and calling people (laughs) brah. It's awesome. It's like, oh my god, are you. are you a raging douchebag with a tap out shirt? <laughs> you probably have the virus, <laughs> Motherfuckers. Like. You love it. Oh, this dude. But anyway. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it
0: go. Don't don't
2: don't get me tangenting again. I have to edit this shit out and it takes forever. Right? I have to listen to myself drone. You know, but I mean, like, we're lucky mm-hmm. because we don't have we have one active case currently.
0: Yeah, and we just got you know? community transmission. Yeah, that's but the but
2: one. The first one, and Dan's coming out of fucking BC
0: where people are still dying. Absolutely. You know. But at least it's not Quebec. No, just no. kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> or the states. That's oh, what God, scares damn.
2: me. Honest to God.
0: Well, and uh, I mean, I know people down there, and they're doing their best, but there's just too many not for it to matter if you're doing your thing. It's frightening. It's fucking scary.
2: Making your way in the world
0: today takes everything everything (laughs) you (laughs) got.
2: Saying goodbye to all your worries (laughs) sure would help a lot. (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, we have been offered fucking ice cream Mm -hmm. at the Yukon Chocolate Factory. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe I need to go cram some ice cream down Daniel's do. fucking gullet. You do. It might be the cure. It, it is. It might be what's needed. Yeah. Yes. I developed a thing years ago.
0: Do you remember my fudgicle trick? Yeah. Is this, does this actually have ice cream or is it... <laughs> <laughs> or are we editing later? <laughs>
2: First of all, if the fudzicle trick had any kind of sexual nature to it, we would not edit it.
0: No, we would be <laughs> promoting it.
2: You know, absolutely. Yes. Second, Mm -hmm. this is one of the more brilliant things I've ever done. Okay, I should patent it. What it is is this: when you know you're going to be drinking in excess, which see my twenties, (laughs) right? Um, you go out the night before and you buy a bunch of fudgesicles. Yes, you throw them in the freezer.
0: Yeah.
2: The next morning, when you get up and you're super dirty hungover, you just start cramming back fudgesicles. Right. Now. What this does is it makes you vomit. Okay. Right. But when you puke. It's fudgicle, And it's actually quite pleasant. <laughs> like weirdly pleasant where it's cooling and soothing and right? fudgicles taste yeah. good coming up it turns good out. Good to know. You know, and then when you're done you go and hit another fudgicle, and it's a thing of beauty. And you're like, oh my God, these yeah. are good in and, and out. out. <laughs> How many things can you say that
0: about? Not many. Not many. None come to mind. You know, because there's only
2: a few things that are a party twice. Right. Hot chili peppers? (laughs) Yes. Puzzicles when vomited. Rice.
0: You're welcome. Nice. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was hard. living. Yes.
2: All right. We're going to go.
0: Cool. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you had fun and maybe even learned something. The Horse is brought to you by Molotov and Brick Tattoos and J.L. Hamilton Productions. Until next time, remember to be kind to yourself and to others. This was a Brain Freeze Podcast.